0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith, and I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the high for season
1: five of the, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show.
0: All right, it has been a minute. We have not been regular with our drops. I apologize. It has been the birthday week of Matt Connor, which is like lots of stuff going on. Um, so we're a little off schedule. Um, Matt, how are you? Well, because of our next
2: uh, guest, I'm over here practicing my edge Do mi mi
0: so so re fa fa la ti ti. Great. Um, that is uh, very Do, appropriate. Ti. That's a seventh. That's very appropriate because we are talking to Karen Keating. Come on down. You just gotta know know it—the circle of fifths, y'all. Yeah, we are. That's
2: not the only thing you have to know. That's That's just
0: that's just one of the many. That's just a blip. Things, yeah. Um, So great. We're gonna take a quick break, uh, but before we do, just a couple of announcements. One, we do have a Patreon. We thank all of our Patreon supporters. The link to it is in the podcast notes. Uh, Hit it up, join us, support us if you can. We appreciate any little thing you can do Um, uh, that is helping to fund things like the upcoming Find Your Light, the music of Connor and Smith at the Lyceum on February 6th at 7 p.m., Starring Natasha Diaz, Susan Derry, and Katie Merico-Murray. Um, it is going to be a beautiful evening of music, and I think there's 30-some tickets left if you are in the area and want to check it out. Um, so yeah, you, I, I'll put the link to that in the podcast notes as well. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. In 1985... Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Oh, yeah. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Yeah. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. <laughs> Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Wonderful. I'm here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. And our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hello, Miss Keating.
1: Hey.
0: How are you this this cold and and ice stormy evening?
1: Toasty warm inside. (laughs) Yeah. Where are you? Where am I? I'm at home, which is in the hills of West by God, Virginia. Are you in West Virginia? Well, that's to, exciting. It is. We're close to Kay Capen State Park, so it's beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Are you, are you originally from West Virginia? No, Berryville. That's right. Berryville. Clark County. Yes. The James Wood rival. Clark County and Hanley. That's
1: right.
0: Yeah, and you did? Did uh, you grow up with Robin Hart
1: He lived right across the street from me.
0: That sounds like trouble to me. <laughs> That's why Karen had to go to another state.
2: That's a- <laughs> <laughs> this town's not the, not uh, big enough for the both of us. There you go. <laughs> um, Karen, when when did you get into the um? the uh, art of music. When did you start knowing that you were going to be a a musician?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Or did you,
2: or were you always a musician?
1: Well, I kind of always was. My mother was the church musician, uh, church organist and choir director. And so, you know, as soon as I could walk and talk, I was singing in the choir practically. Um, Started piano lessons when I was seven. Uh, started taking organ lessons when I was 13. Uh, played oboe in the band. Um, yeah. So I just kind of have always done music. And
0: wh- And did you, so did you uh, go to Shenandoah for music?
1: I did not. I went to James Madison University. And at the time that I started there, it was uh, still Madison College.
2: Ah, The Madisonians.
1: Yes.
2: And then you ended up
1: at Shenandoah. Um, After, so I finished my undergrad at JMU. Then I went to Salzburg, Austria for almost 11 years. Oh my gosh.
2: Amazing. How did you get to Austria?
1: Well, I had. Probably a a plane. (laughs) I had a. Thank you. (laughs) I had a Rotary Scholarship to study at the Mozarteum. And uh, it was just supposed to be a one-year stint, and I ended up staying.
2: No, wait. Side note here. Yeah. Didn't some of the locations of The Sound of Music, wasn't that filmed
1: there? That was filmed in Salzburg, absolutely. Gorgeous. So, you know, the opening scene when she's going down the tree-lined L.A., and she looks at the house for the first time? Yeah. House was I lived there for two years. That was the student housing for the Mozarteum. Shut up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. We just watched that like two nights ago. You're kidding. No, we're gay. We're, we're gay and it's Christmas. We're gay and it's Christmas. Let's watch Julie Andrews. It is a Christmas movie. If you count, if you like, look at the outfits. The green outfits has a, a Christmas
0: color. It's because of my favorite things. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Right. Right. So,
2: um, so I'm assuming you kind of got, uh, you picked up a little bit of Austrian uh, language. Is it German there? Yeah. German. Yeah. So there is no Austrian language.
1: There, it's there's a dialect.
0: Ah, um. uh, there's a dialect nice do you speak it fluently i do do you speak any other languages
1: um not fluent not as fluently as german i can i can carry on a very basic conversation um in sort of french and italian but that's about it
2: she can speak to an orchestra completely in italian words
0: Oh, uh, I have a question. So you were there eleven years. I'm sure you got to see a lot of the world while you were there, as that being like a, like a home base, really.
1: Yeah. Um, so my first year there, my parents. Um, well, first I went. I spent uh, Christmas in Athens, Greece, and then I spent New Year's in Cairo, Egypt oh my god and then my parents bought me a, uh at the time you could, they had these things called a Eurail pass yeah that you bought and you could ride anywhere for like three months or something and so i went to northern Germany... well i went to bavaria i went to northern germany i went to denmark went to uh, the netherlands and paris and you know just kind of all around
2: so I just Ooh. looked this up because I'm very smart. Um I <laughs> just looked this up. So this was built in honor of Mozart.
1: The Mozart Mozartum? Yeah. Yeah. From his wife. Uh yeah, probably.
2: Like, like <laughs> maybe after he passed away, she was like, here's some money for 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 um Amadeus. Yeah. Um, well that that's so cool. So what if you had to put your Training and your learning and your education right now in in Austria. What uh, what would you file it under? In a would it be mainly classical? Would it be mainly um, piano. Old. old um, what does Robert Aubrey Davis do? Old. Um, <laughs> oh, early music. Yeah, hey, yeah. He does early music. Yes, yeah. early music is, yeah, yeah, early yeah. Music? is uh, organ music.
1: Um, it was. Some of everything, definitely classically oriented. Um, actually, I did more uh, piano accompanying and singing while I was in Salzburg than I did playing the organ. Mm. And I did a couple of uh, little conducting things, too. I had a degree. I, one of my degrees was in choral conducting. Um, so I, did a, I worked with a group called Stagioni Lyrica. And we put on some like obscure operas that nobody had ever heard of.
2: Can I ask a very basic question? What do you Mm -hmm. learn when you uh, need to be a conductor? You learn how to understand uh, tempo in a sort of um, intuitive way, or you learn how to conduct the different groups.
1: Um, you, yeah, definitely. You learn to conduct the different groups. Some of it is, is intuitive. Um, a lot of it is, you know, doing your research. Um, if you're conducting instruments, it, you know, you learn how to deal with the different instruments and what the, the things that are idiomatic to each instrument, um, so that you can, address them accordingly if you're in front of the group and it's like being in front of a a choral ensemble you know I took voice lessons so I understand how the voice works so I can work with them on a on a technical level as well as the musical level
2: I don't think people realize that when you look at a conductor's book And let's say, for example, you're looking at an orchestra that's been orchestrated for, let's say, I don't know, 18 pieces. And you've also got on top of that vocal lines for maybe a musical that you're literally looking at 20 plus different lines and keeping everyone together.
1: Yeah, you certainly can be. Yes,
2: absolutely. So what is your favorite thing to conduct? Even though I know that you're not only a conductor, but I know that you know how to keep a, a... a a room really well together.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, I, you know, my favorite thing to conduct is whatever I'm working on in the moment. (laughs) Um, I love doing musical theater. I love doing um, classical, you know, uh, choral orchestral pieces. I like doing just choir. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite per se,
2: Do you, have you ever had a moment in your life when someone's asked you to do something and you're like, oh God, it's, it's Franz list or it's, oh God, (laughs) this is in 12, two, or I don't know.
1: Um, I, I don't know that I've ever said no. (laughs) Um, so, you know, there's definitely a learning curve sometimes, but, but, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right?
0: Yep. (laughs) Um. Isn't that a song? I think it is a song. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. (laughs) There you go, man. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah. what, what, uh, What year did you arrive as a teacher at Shenandoah?
1: Okay, so I started at Shenandoah with Summer Music Theater as the accompanist in the summer of 89. And the fall of 89, I played for the the school's production of um, Candide. And then Dr. Albert asked me if I could teach theory. And so I actually started teaching classes in January of 1990.
0: I, I guess I should rewind for a second. What? So you were in Germany for 11 years. And you, yes. your, you got married and you had two kids. Yeah and and what brought you from germany back to the states just yeah. in this
1: time the marriage kind of went sour and and uh i came back to where i had a support system quite yeah. honestly
0: yeah and that was in that that virginia area the yes.
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and then we you're starting to look for jobs and the shenandoah thing pops up and was robin working
1: there at the time oh robin was already teaching it at, at uh, shenandoah yeah and as a matter of fact she's probably the reason that i ended up getting this the the ssmt gig because she had convinced me to go register with what was at the time the community arts program to teach piano um, and those offices at the time were in armstrong And so while I was there, I was just kind of wandering around the the building. And that's when I ran into Tom.
2: Hey, you know how to teach theory?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, the initial uh, meeting was, um, and it's funny because he tells the story all the time. I was just wandering down the hall and I saw the poster for Summer Music Theater. And so I kind of knocked on his door and said, "Um, are you looking for an accompanist? and he gave me a funny look and then he gave me i think the score to carousel and said come back tomorrow and play the overture for me so i came back played the overture and he's like just a minute and he disappeared and he came back with um west side story score and plopped it in front of me to sight read which i did <laughs> and And he, you know, picked his jaw up off the floor and he was like, well, as a matter of fact, we don't have an accompanist for the last three shows this summer. (laughs) And that's how I got in.
0: Serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the, the teaching. (laughs) Then the teaching theory question came later. Right.
1: It, it came uh, like, you know, four or five months later. Yeah.
0: And is that something that you, you had never taught theory, but you had taken it? Of
1: course. Yeah.
0: Um, and to anyone who had has taken Karen Keating's theory class. You just <laughs> got to know it. That's right. <laughs> um, some of us more than once. <laughs> um, are, you, are you a
2: doctor? I am. Okay. Well, Dr. Keating, let me tell you, I use your, I channel you weekly (laughs) in my life. And I'm always saying to some of my students, I'm like, you guys, you can't question this stuff or ask me why I'm going to tell you just like a teacher told me in college, you just got to know it. (laughs) This is a foreign language. This is math. You don't ask why you just learn it. (laughs) So, so thank you very much. I didn't didn't realize that uh, in school that I would have carried so much of what you gave me personally into my adult career because When you're there, it's not that you're questioning, like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Because I was always kind of intuitive with, with theory for some odd reason. Right. I knew it and I understood it kind of, but there still is those moments you kind of pull out a book and go, wait, I know what the circle of fifths is, but how do I really explain it? Yeah. I mean, so that so someone else can really get it. So you don't sound like, well, a fifth is uh, it's five notes up and then you do it again and again and again. Anyway, um, who was your piano teacher in in, in Berryville?
1: My mother.
2: Oh my gosh! <laughs> so your mom was your total, uh, your cho- total inspiration for even looking at the eighty-eight keys.
1: Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Yep, I had to practice every morning before I went to school.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> And did you do one of those courses that we all would maybe be familiar with in piano, like starting with the Alfred course or the Schwamm course? Or- I
1: had the John W. Schaum piano. Teaching Little Fingers to Play was my first book.
2: I love that course.
1: I know. <laughs>
2: now, I have a huge, um, I'm very confused. Uh-oh. I have Ryan. Get, get, this is a different show. <laughs> I, I I have a huge problem with the organ. Okay. Because, because, because I don't know how to play it. Sometimes at churches, I was asked to play it because people knew I could play the piano. Right. But clearly, as you know, there's a huge difference.
1: Well, there is and there isn't. I mean, there is actual manual music written for the organ, so you don't have to worry about the pedal board. Right. But technically, yes, you've got at least one manual, usually two, if not more, and then the pedal board that you have to play all at the same time. So, you know, you have to have pretty good abs because you've got to be able to balance.
0: (laughs) Right. And this is a stupid outsider question. You have to use both feet like yes. independently and yep. both arms independently,
1: yep, so your feet playing
0: the the bass notes,
1: yeah, pretty much, and then the tiers are
2: just higher, higher octaves,
1: well, they're different, no, they're different sounds. they're the same they're the same octave, but um some organs have what they call a um a ruckwerk, which is a back work is what they call it. It's, but it's a set of pipes that are would be behind the organist. Um, and then there are some pipes can be exposed and some bi- pipes can be enclosed so that you can use a swell shade to, to produce a crescendo and a decrescendo. But if the pipes are not enclosed, then you can only do a crescendo or a decrescendo by adding or taking away stops or the sounds on the organ. Mm. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Did you ever play a, I'm sure you have, you've probably done it all. uh, There was the organ I I played once where you had to basically feed the air with your feet, like a pump organ. A pump organ, oh yeah, yep. Are those like just an old school
1: thing? Um yeah pretty much. I mean a lot of the old uh you know one room churches didn't have electricity. So if they wanted if they wanted any kind of music they would have a pump organ which you have to pump with both feet and there's usually only one manual on those. Um yeah and you have to do then the crescendo with your knees. <laughs> that sounds exhausting. It does. <laughs>
2: What instruments do you have in your house right now?
1: Um, I have a piano. I have my old oboe. I have some uh, recorders. I have some uh, gongs and some, uh, uh, I don't know, some other percussion type instruments. Um, I think that's it. Tambourine, stuff like that. Are you still teaching? I am not um, but I am still I am the artistic director for the Arts Chorale of Winchester so I'm still working with a choir.
2: Are you guys doing something for Christmas?
1: We already did it. We, we did, it. did it. Already did. Yep, we did it on December 2nd and 3rd. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. What was, what did you do? Um we did a program the theme was Season of Light. Um, And so we had we just had different things that related to, you know, light in some way, either candles or um, the star or something like there were references to that all over the place. Um, So our big piece was the Fantasia on Christmas Carols by Ralph Vaughn Williams. Mm -hmm. And then we did another big piece by um, Mendelssohn. And then everything else was just, uh, you know, some smaller, like Octavo type things. Um, some things people knew and some things they didn't. Um, and ended with, you know, an arrangement of we wish you a Merry Christmas.
0: Oh, that sounds lovely.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: Are you an arranger?
1: Mm, I have dabbled, but but no, nah, it's not my strong point. You're not
2: really ever a writer? No. Yeah, you can just take what everyone's done and really execute it very, very well.
1: I Well, I like to think so. (laughs) Or
2: ask some tough questions like, did you
1: mean this for this to be here? Right, Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely can do that, yes. Yeah. What shows did we
2: work on together at SMT? What was some of the, I can't remember. I remember one very important musical that we did together um either it must have been SSMT was it Oliver
1: yeah maybe I did Oliver
2: um I did did you do Lindy Herman's version of Secret Garden
1: Secret Garden I played for that Tom conducted it and I played for the rehearsals
2: Yeah, yeah 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 what was the last um summer musical theater production that you were part of
1: uh, probably Sound of Music before the whole pandemic thing hit.
2: Oh God! Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask about teaching. I was wondering if you if you had to do the whole Zoom thing.
1: I did uh, our la- the last semester of the year, and you know, I you can teach music theory online. You can't rehearse a choir online. Right. It, it's just ridiculous. So so I had to come up with assignments for the students that were in my two choirs to keep them busy for the rest of the semester. Um, and honest, honestly, I think I worked harder that last six weeks than I had worked the whole last five years that I was teaching.
2: Yeah. Where did you get your doctorate?
1: At Shenandoah.
2: So you already had your master's from
1: the most. Austria? Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: You're undergrad from JMU. Yes. And then when you were doing your doctorate, were you also t- teaching at the same time?
1: Teaching full-time and still had both kids at home. Oh, my
2: God. That sounds worse <laughs> than the organ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yes, that is true.
2: Have you seen any changes in the arts in your window of time as a teacher of how things have developed? I know that things have developed... Differently, kind of in vocal pedagogy training and whatnot, because you know, I think we were there when we were at school. It was just kind of on that what weird window of like some teachers not wanting kids to belt, other people, yeah. saying, You know, we had when that. Now I think uh, there's even like a rock department or
1: something. Absolutely, that, you know, yep, yep. Because yeah. you got
0: it, you got to know it.
1: Yeah, you do have to know it. Um, I, you know, as. Uh, technique wise yeah there's especially in the musical theater world there has been um, there's a lot of differences from when you guys were in school um, the the one of the biggest things and I don't know maybe it was prevalent when you all were in school too um, and I think it's unfortunate in that the students all almost all of them have to have, a job outside of studying. Oh, yeah. And see, when I went to, when I was an undergrad, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do work study. I didn't have to do anything. I could just concentrate on my studies. And so I could practice, you know, my fingers off. Um, I very often was in the practice room at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning Cause we didn't have that many organs and, you know, I'd be there for three hours. And if the person behind me didn't show up, I'd be there for six hours. Um, and, but I could afford to do all of that practicing, which gave me my foundation, which I have then fallen back on my whole life. Yeah. And students today can't afford to take that kind of time to, you know, get the basics down.
0: I had to work work study, but I, I I'm thankful. I did because I worked in the box office with Mary mm-hmm. Rathwitz. Mm. Sweet Mary. Um, yes, my gosh, Mary. Yep. And just doing that gave me experience to get survival jobs in similar kind of positions in DC years later right Um, having that on my resume uh so at least like my work study was like practical on the job life training for later you know yes yeah and it was still kind of in the arts so right and then you could also tell people what was selling and what was not selling you know
1: yeah yeah ryan where did you
0: work oh man work study i worked all over the library uh I worked in the cafe in the student center. I I worked at Golden Corral at one time off campus. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, I think that's pretty much it. What did you do, Matt? Well, I was independently wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) I I sometimes wish I worked more so I didn't have as much to pay after school. But anyway. Um,
2: I worked at the bookstore. oh. Oh, that's right. All I did was look through books of, of other other um, programs. Like, oh, look, it's a nursing book. Well, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah, I learned a lot. <laughs> um, Doctor Keating. Yeah. Are you uh Are you on any? Uh, I'm assuming you are. Are you on any um, recordings?
1: Um. Well, I have. We have two recordings. That actually, I think one of them made it to CD baby Um, Michael Forrest and I did a a CD that was a fundraiser for the American Red Cross. Oh, wow. And, And then Byron Jones and I did a CD called what have you done to my heart, which was all French sort of cabaret songs.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. And other than that, if there's anything floating around out there, I don't know about it.
2: Now, when you say French cabaret, did they live in a certain kind of period, like Piaf?
1: Uh, There was some Piaf. Um, There there were other things, too. I'm trying to think what his favorite composer is. Um, I don't know. It was things like Ukali and, um, you know, he would do like an April in Paris and things like that that were just sort of all, you know, Cabaret ish,
2: yeah. Do you have a favorite composer?
1: Um, I'm kind of well. Of course, being an organist, I like Bach. Um, I like Brahms. Um, I don't know, but then I like the quirky stuff, like I like vial and you know things like that too.
0: Um. I was going to ask a similar question and you might have the same answers, but what, what do you listen to? Like uh, for fun, like in the car or <laughs> in the shower, or whatever.
1: Okay. The latest thing is the, you ain't nothing like a dog. I get it. <laughs> what is that? It's a popular song on the radio. <laughs> you
0: are more up caught up with the times than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to pop music
1: Lizzo yeah yeah oh yeah
0: okay I know Lizzo
1: <laughs> wait back to Bach yes
2: Bach is German yes and didn't we have to have a Bach book in sight reading
1: uh it was in theory it was the corrals and didn't we use that to, to understand part writing? and? Yes. Yep. We d- did a lot of analysis out of those. Yep. Absolutely.
2: Okay. So, so take me back to that idea. Why him and his music for that is he is because he's the, he is the ultimate part writer. Absolutely. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And then that makes it also interesting to perform which is maybe why that he's your go-to um composer to play because he has very interesting um counterparts i guess
1: yeah counterpoint and all of that yeah so all of his all of his uh organ music is very involved um it's it's just it's just interesting i i remember accompanying actually one of francis avery's flute students on a bach um Uh, it wasn't a cantata it was like a sonata or concerto or something and um it was like every time I sat down and played through that piece of music I found something new yeah
2: that's so cool when that happens yeah and all of a sudden you're trying to almost like live in their world of like oh I didn't know that this little easter egg was here
1: Right, exactly. And yeah. why
2: was this here? And I didn't yeah. see it before.
1: Yeah.
2: Ryan says he feels that way about film. Okay. Well, you know, what I try to really delve into with my students, because it's become such a freaking like screen world. Yeah. And honestly, they don't need me to teach them crap because I can look on TikTok with one of the the music guys I follow to explain stuff. Huh. But um you know i try to really delve into them about when they see a movie to listen to the the soundscape and the you know the score and right. all of that and if they're playing a video game i have a couple of kids i'm actually working on video game sounds with them and they're kind of writing an imaginary game but creating the theme and the, when something dies or when something Mm -hmm. gets directed or a new player, they're making up the thing so we can talk about how it is they're executing it on the intervals and whatnot because that's the only window they have into, isn't that crazy?
1: It is, but it's fun.
2: Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, and you know, I mean, honestly, I kind of wish I could get a job just creating music for a video game. Yeah, yeah you know because it's it's shocking to me once again and i know that you know this how underrated all of our careers always kind of are until they're needed right and then when they're needed, it's like, oh my gosh, we need this this at the baptism. We need this mm-hmm. choir to do this at, at this cantata at Christmas time. We need you guys to do the parade at the at the apple blossom. We need <laughs> right. you know, and the music is everywhere in the grocery store, in your shower, in your car, but yet we still look like we all need to get a job. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I do, I do uh think of you a lot because. I've had to really, uh, in the past decade, really kind of go back into my my um, learning of how to not only, you know, sometimes music is intuitive and you don't really know why you're doing something, but you just know that that feels right. That conflict of that sound or that resolution of that sound just happens you're like, okay, that's what that is. Yeah. I mean as a writer sometimes I just kind of make stuff up but to explain <laughs> that to someone else and have yeah. it make sense or have it feel passionate and inspiring is a whole different skill because um you know you need to make make the student feel like it's meaningful because it's almost like well when am I going to need a a seventh or a ninth and why right, and right. Said, well look first of all You're not gonna play any jazzy Charlie Brown Christmas songs.
0: Without seventh and if you don't add the
2: seventh, ninth, eleventh to the songs. songs. Um anyways, when you play music, and I sometimes do this, but not much. But I have a friend, uh, Warren Do you know Warren Freeman? Yeah. Okay. We know Warren is our like music supervisor. Oh, fun. And so sometimes working in a project like with him is almost like taking a, a two-credit class <laughs> because he will start explaining stuff because he's right now getting his uh, doctorate from SU right. while teaching at NYU. Oh, cool. Um, but do, do you ever find yourself uh, analyzing music at the same time as either conducting it or... Uh, playing it uh, do you find yourself kind of in the progressions of it
1: um in the learning process yes not so much when I'm then trying to teach it to people or perform actually performing it right
0: because- you could you've gone through all that in the learning
1: yes and yes. now
0: you're and now you're you're lending yourself as a leader to help them just get through whatever it is but you're now Right. right. I guess that's like asking somebody, do you think about your subtext while you're saying your lines?
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's a kind of the same thing, right? You yeah. just kind of use it to learn it and then execute it. Right. Well,
2: what's, what is the last thing? What is the last piece of music or last whatever that you had to play or, or teach that you had to learn that you didn't already know because you lived 11 years in Europe. And so pretty much you <laughs> knew everything.
1: Um, well, we did some, um, when I was still teaching at Shenandoah, we started this opera up close program, um, which was just uh, a lot of times it was one act operas um, that we would do in the black box with like minimal uh, costumes and no set or just, you know, table and chairs and stuff like that. So a couple of those things I had to learn. Um, and we were getting ready to do. Oh, um, Jonathan Newman, who is our, our composition guy now, wrote an opera called Carnival of Souls.
0: Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Is it about the movie?
1: It is. Oh, my God. Steven,
0: yeah. it's one of my favorite movies.
1: Yeah. And, and so we were working on that when the pandemic happened. Oh no. So we didn't get, yeah, we didn't get to perform it, but we had started, you know, doing some of the, the background work um, and coaching and stuff like that on it. That was that, that's always interesting. Learning a piece like that.
2: No, we can bring it back. We'll raise the money in DC. We'll get Karen to Washington where she belongs.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: We'll get, what's his name? Jonathan, we'll
0: get Jonathan back. We'll 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 bring it back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 an. Inc- I think it's a it's a cult film. Of course, it is. It, it helped to inspire George Romero uh, for the Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a nerd. I am a nerd, but it's <laughs> it's got a such a great otherworldly. There's an organ. The woman who dies and doesn't know she's dead is an organist.
1: Yes. So did you have
0: a lot of organ sound in it?
1: Um, I There might be in the full score. The way we were doing these, these operas was just with piano. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we were, because we were trying to keep, you know, costs down and production, you know, like not have craziness going on. Oh, that's um, really cool.
0: Is
2: that is that one of those movies though, where a lot of the music came from Stephen? It came from the blah 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 library, like
0: CBS library or something. Yeah, probably. Kind of one of those things. I don't not with that one. I think because almost the entire score is organ. Um, to kind of tie in the fact that she's an organist, and it, it yeah gives it a creepy feel. No, I, I don't think that one was CBS library music. I think it was all either original or, yeah. But this is not the Carnival of Souls part, podcast, but... <laughs> it could be.
1: <laughs> it could be.
0: <laughs> We're going to call Jonathan and talk to him about it. Dr. Keegan, did, did you also teach voice?
1: Um, I did coaching. I didn't teach voice per se, but I did vocal coaching with mm-hmm. students. And it's your...
2: <laughs> Do you have a window and a forte of, of working mainly with a female voice or does it only really matter?
1: I don't think it matters. Yeah. Because at that point, you're not working on, you know, the, the vocal technique stuff. You're working on interpretation of the music. Right. Right.
2: Um, yeah. Have you been back to Austria lately?
1: Uh, the last time we went was 2019. Um, I took the Cantus singers, the girls, over um, to do a little concert, and they sang with the cathedral choir and stuff like that. Did oh, that's a little yeah, yeah. They sang "Climb." Every no, month. they didn't sing that.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's a lot of fun, and that was like r- right pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. Boy I mean what speaking of the pandemic uh for that like two year span, like I know you were saying you had to kind of come up with other assignments for your your choral classes and everything, but like how like mentally did you fare during like during those times? what kind of got you through all that?
1: uh the fact that I had to do it <laughs> right I mean really, it was i you know I was trying and I spent. Oh, hours and hours listening to music because I was mostly trying to come up with listening assignments Mm -hmm. that I thought would be interesting for the students and then trying to engage them on Zoom in some kind of discussion, right? um, which sometimes was like pulling teeth. But um, yeah, I, you know. And then, and I would do, I would come up with stuff and I would ask the students, is there something in particular that you would like to share with the other students? You know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of us were kind of scrambling to figure out how to do our jobs. Yeah. And how not to like Mm -hmm. catch a plague. And I think I'm still trying to figure out how to do my job. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah,
2: there's that. It feels like everything is still a little bit, just a little bit. You remember that Yogi Bear cave at King's Dominion that was kind of crooked? (laughs) Yeah. It still feels like that. It feels like the house is still a little like, oh, is the roof one correct? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it feels like people are saying theater is back and there's 10 people in the audience.
2: Theater's theater's not bad. People aren't doing what they used to do. I mean, the show, we just saw this morning that show in New York is closing after one week
0: oh wow
1: uh ain't
0: no mo ain't no mo yeah yeah and and yeah the the creator was on the today show basically saying hey everybody come see my show and i thought oh my god like this is this is a crisis you know Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. there's only certain things that will i remember we're talking to an actor back in 2021 about a broadway actor about um how to reopen Broadway and what were the best. And he was like, you know, you've got to get those big tent poles up. The things that really kind of, you know. Hamilton. The big. Right. Yeah, Yeah, well, even that's going away.
2: You know what they're going to do though. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to take the fandom away. They're not going to give the rights to anyone. And they're going to say, oh, guys, we redid it. Come back and see it. We've redone it. Now it's done with 20 ballerinas. New orchestrations. (laughs) Yeah. That's possible. Is there a Dr. Karen Keating scholarship?
1: No, there's not.
2: Well, I'm going to just talk for a second to anyone listening at the university. (laughs) There should be. (laughs) And it should go to a person living in Arlington (laughs) who wants to go back for their master's and doctorate (laughs) and was an excellent theory student.
1: There you go. They'll,
2: They'll get right on that, Matt. (laughs) Um, I knew the difference between eight VA and 15 VA.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Anything coming up uh, for you after this Christmas season musically?
1: Um, Well, we'll start to work on uh, with the Arts Chorale of Winchester on our spring concert, which um, features two commissioned works that they were supposed to have done And got didn't get to do it because of the pandemic. Um, but one by Dr. James Laster, oh, and a piece by Dr. Will Abritt. Oh, yeah,
2: wow, that's so that'll
1: be fun. Yeah,
0: that is that will be fun. And when do you start working on that, like rehearsing for it in the new year?
1: Uh, January 17th will be our first rehearsal, we'll have auditions. On January tenth, for anybody who might like to join the group, uh, and, Thursday, yeah.
2: So uh, gifts will be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> what What is the drive
0: to Winchester like? Thirty minutes
1: for me. Yeah, yeah, it's about thirty minutes. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's not bad.
1: No, it's not.
0: Thirty minutes of listening to Lizzo in the
1: car. There you go. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and it's beautiful out here. I mean, the drive is is beautiful. So. Yeah. 50, 522? 522. 522. Mm-hmm. See, I still remember some
2: of those numbers, even though I don't get out there much. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You know, as you know, when you're doing um, artistic stuff, it's your, your life is not exactly like working at the bank. Right. And it becomes like little, you know, little sessions here, little teaching here, little rehearsal here. Next thing you know. What's a vacation? What's a vacation?
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've missed so many weddings and funerals. I don't even,
1: you know. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Well, and even with me being retired, I um, played on the city choir of Washington's concert back in November. And, you know, it's, it was a two hour drive into DC for a rehearsal. And, you know, then two hours back, and it's, it's, it's just kind of crazy. It's like, I'm not used to that anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we had rehearsal just here recently. I could, I would come home. I'd tell Steve, I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm working a 12 hour shift. Yeah. And it's only because I haven't
1: been doing anything. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, pre pandemic and everything uh, we, I would have to go into DC, you know, fairly regularly and, mm-hmm. My mom was just in town and just left this afternoon and just like driving to Union Station, I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. No, yeah. it's not. You just haven't done it in a few years.
2: Well, I'm so yeah. far from home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I crossed the river.
2: <laughs> it's exhausting. Did you ever play for the Shenandoah Chorus with uh, Robert Schaefer?
1: Uh, no. Well, I take that back. I played harpsichord on, uh, remember the Bach Handel Festival? Yep. I played harpsichord for him while I was working on my doctorate because, of course, I was studying with him. And uh, so he had me do some things like that. And he, is he now retired? He is retired from City Choir, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and from lo- longer from Shenandoah.
2: I remember one time, you know, I went to Europe with him Oh yeah. yeah. I remember one time in in class and I sometimes re- say this to students too. That we were doing something, I don't remember what it was. Oh, I think we were I think we were doing the War Requiem which we did at the Candy Center which won yep. the Grammy. The Grammy. Yep. And um one time he got so pissed and he yelled, "God has perfect pitch. <laughs> and I thought about it and I thought, "Well, I guess he is right." but i think people have perfect pitch get crazy when they hear car horns that is multiple pitches right so there's that yeah yeah do you you remember jenny cartney Mm -hmm. so jenny cartney uh, was around and we were in the same hood for a long time here in washington but anyways we have two pugs and they both sing a little they'll be like woo. <laughs> and Jenny would walk. Speaking of per- perfect pitch, Jenny would walk yeah. in the house, and she would tell us what note what, it, yeah. each dog was hitting. And she'd be like, "Oh, he's a C. Oh, he's an A." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "How does that happen? How do you? How do you? How are you born with perfect
1: pitch?" Yeah, I don't know. I can't do that, but I can only imagine that it would drive you crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's too much information. Did
2: you have you ever heard the idea that people are moved more? by, I believe, a French horn and a cello because it is the same range in timbre of what you hear in the womb from your mother's voice.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I'd never heard that.
2: I have heard that because when you're in the womb, what you hear in your mom's vocal cords in, in her body... Kind of like... Wah, 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 wah. like <laughs> right. I peanuts, guess, yeah. but it's the same... It, it, it is mimicked uh, closest in the cello and the French horn.
0: That's interesting. And I wonder if there's some uh, moms who just have a different inner tone and like the oboe is that for that person.
2: Maybe. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs>
0: the, the oboe is a very interesting
2: instrument. I like the oboe. I love it. Or like Kristen Chenoweth has a baby and the baby only cries when there's a piccolo.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Dr. Keating, well, um, before you go, is there anything, A, I should listen to?
1: Uh, Your mother. (laughs) Is there anything that
2: I should read?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh, I don't know, hon. (laughs) And and have you watched
2: anything fun on a series on Netflix or anything like that?
1: Wednesday. (gasps) Wednesday, is it good? good? It
2: is good. good. Oh, that's funny. Is the sequel called Thursday? <laughs> no, no, that was a dumb joke. Well, I adore you. We adore you. I just want to thank you once again. If you, if you, just want to hear it one more time, I, I, I never knew it then, and now I know. When I'm telling my kids things, uh, no matter if they're going to do this as a career or as a hobby or just to know what um, is being played in Star Wars when they watch movies. Um, yeah. I just thank you so much for everything that you gave me in school that I can now make um, an underpaying job work.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you just
2: gotta, gotta know, know it. it. You just gotta know it. <laughs> yeah, I wanna, we, we should take uh, Dr. Keating into the studio and do
0: an album called You Just Gotta Know It. Or, or just... <laughs> How about a t shirt with the circle of fifths on it? And then oh, you, you just got to know it. it. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a merch. Then you could you cheat go. because you have it on your t shirt. See? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Look at me always looking for the cheating angle. All right. Uh, <laughs> have a
1: wonderful Christmas. Thanks. You too.
0: Merry Christmas. We love Merry you. Christmas.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for talking to us, Karen. We... When you know the notes to sing. Bop, 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 bop. Um, thank you so much for joining us. That was a blast. We loved reconnecting with you. Hope all is well with you. And we hope to see you someday soon. And yeah, if you would like to learn more about us, please visit www.connersmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. Please, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. It really helps us out a lot, and we appreciate it. If you would like to not learn more, do not do any of those things. That's right. That's right. We are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Patreon under Connor and Smith. Again, Connor with an E-R. Um, Smith with a T. Yeah, in case anyone's confused. Um there is a discord board you can join the link is in the podcast notes as well hop on there say hey to your friends and alum um and that is about it uh we are just about to start rehearsals for this find your light thing it's going to be very exciting and we're super blessed that it's happening and uh our patreon subscribers are helping that so thank you again um all right then matthew we're gonna take off until next time the sun has gone I'm just kidding bye bye